On today's episode of Created... But again, you just have to never give up and be tenacious. I know it kind of sounds cliche, but I think if you really want something in life, just like stay focused. And I think when the when the times are tough, I think that's good. You know, you can look back on those times and like, you know, you kind of grew as a person because you decided you're not going to give up. Welcome to Created, the Advertising and Design Club of Canada podcast that uncovers how great creative work actually gets made. Theme music and recording studio Care of Grace and Music. And I'm Loranda Martin-Evans, founder of Fellow Human Creative. Today is our 50th episode. Woo! What an incredible ride. 50 episodes. So for the super special episode, we are talking to this year's Mick Griffin Best Editing Gold Award winner, Graham Chisholm, editor and partner at Nimeo Pair Editorial. Graham, welcome to the show. Hey. So no pressure, but it's the 50th episode. So people <laughs> are going to expect gossip, like major <laughs> secrets revealed. Tons of gossip from the editing room. So much from the cutting room floor. <laughs> yeah. I think this is our first conversation with an editor. It's, it's appalling that it's taken us 50 episodes to it talk sad. to an editor. But I feel so honored to have you on the show today. You won the big, the big Mick Griffin Award this year at the ADCCs, and so well-deserved. Have you have you won it before? I've never won the gold. I've won, I think, silver a couple times, bronze for sure, definitely some merits. Because your body of work is extensive and beautiful. Like, uh, if you want to Google Graham Chisholm, he's won. <laughs> he's created work like We the North for the Raptors, Rama Mortal, Kruger Love is Messy, Tangerine Jumping Through the Hoops. Troll, Ikea, McDonald's, the bed spot. Like, there's so much stuff that you've done. I, I mean, just oh, to list all the stuff you've done is Yeah, it's bananas. been a long, long road, I'll well, say. Okay, so before we get into the work, let's talk about the long road. Because I've never talked to an editor before, and like, I don't even know how one embarks in a career in editing. So let's, let's take us back to a young Graham. That's a long story. When you were in high school, did you know, I want to be in film? No. No? What no. did you want to be? No idea. Oh yeah, you were like zero me. idea. I had I literally had no. I really didn't have any direction to be honest. And, like from uh, from just like in like in like I just didn't know what I wanted to do. I wasn't really an academic to be honest. Um, but I knew I had really good work ethic. Like I was a really hard worker. So you got good grades. Nope. Oh, <laughs> you were. <worked laughs> but just hard in general, like these? just different things. Like I don't know. I just find. I would always have part-time jobs throughout high school mm-hmm. and I would work really hard at those. Like what? Like, give me one example. Like, uh, pool construction in the summer. Oh, oh, yeah. damn. Like yeah. hard labor. It was hard. And like these really hard labor intensive jobs. I don't know. They just instilled something in me early on. It also t- made me realize I don't want to do pool construction my whole <laughs> life. Fair. So, um, when I did find what I liked, I kind of applied that work ethic to it. So how did you, did you go to like university after high school? After high school, I ended up at Concordia. Oh, that's where my brother went. That's wicked. So you're in Montreal. It's pretty. Yeah. I had some friends going there and I had a girlfriend in Montreal. So I was like, I have to go to Montreal. Yep. Um, so. I mean, that's a wicked place to, did you grow up in Toronto? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I grew up in Toronto. You're like, let's go to Montreal. Sick. Yeah. So then, yeah, ended up in Montreal. For film or for film no, or arts? No, nope, not film yet. So what, what was your major? It was actually child studies. Aw. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Yeah. So did that. Like realize- you were going to be a child psychologist or something? 
Not really. It's like... You just still didn't know. I just didn't know. I just wanted to get to Montreal. Sweet. And yeah, so like, that was fair. That was my ticket. Sweet. Okay, so you're at Concordia. You're studying child studies. Yeah, realize I don't want to do that. Okay, fair. Long term. And I made a friend at the gym who was one of the trainers there. And we came pretty close. And I didn't want to... We ended up moving in together, just roommates, buddies. And he didn't want to be a personal trainer forever. I realized I didn't want to do child studies and so we both had friends in the film industry. So it was on our radar and, you know, it was really, it was really booming at the time. Um, and so one of a producer friend of ours brought us to an edit one day and just kind of showed us around. And it was kind of this little spark went off and we both kind of looked at each other like, wow, this is really cool. And we ended up both taking like a post-grad course in, uh, in film editing. And from there, graduated from there and then started as an assistant editor on a kids tv show oh my god the yeah. two things come together yeah yeah holy shit yeah yeah so was the film editing course that you did after concordia did you stay in montreal and take yeah, that course still in montreal and the kids editing show was in montreal yeah was it in french no oh zabuma okay. food you ever heard of it it was like yeah, a that pretty sounds familiar it was a pretty popular kid show yeah in the late 90s okay yeah i definitely um, wasn't thinking about kids in the late 90s and that was an insane insane amount of work like there were seven editors they would shoot eons of footage and it all had to be like archived and put in a database and so it goes back to the pool construction oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so there was a lot of like 18 hour days and just really long hard days but fun like i love those those memories um because there was like a and it was young cool. crew working together. Yeah, it was a young crew working at night, and we just like had fun with it. And it was also like, oh, I'm working on a real TV show. Like yeah. it's gonna go on TV. And I remember coming home for Christmas that year, and we're with some of our in-laws and extended family, and they were all really excited that I was working on the show because they knew it. Yeah. And I was and like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> and so what was it called? Zumba flu? Zabumafu. Oh, geez, I said yeah, that. Yeah, it's wrong. like a kid's wildlife kind of episodic show so with, did a, you... with a puppet just to mix it up oh sweet <laughs> i'm super googling that when i get yeah. home okay so you're working on the show you're living in montreal are you like is the pay decent like i can't I, pay's like, terrible terry's terrible pay's okay terrible. so are you still like you've got roommates and you're yeah, like, yeah. living that montreal life living the montreal life you're like who's got two dollar drinks on thursday yeah like, 49 that's... cent pizza <laughs> oh my god it was really delicious but you're loving it yeah i know it was great and it was like it felt like the beginning of something I didn't know what, but I just knew that was my path. Um, and yeah, it was just nice. And then I just slowly trying to think how I got into advertising though. So I got a job. So there was a few other jobs, assistant editing, TV shows, movies, whatever, just built up my skill set. And then I think I got a job. I did. I got a job at a production company. So in Montreal, all the editors work at or are freelance but assistant editors will work at a production company. So I got a job at a production company and that's where I got immersed into like advertising. And this is still in Montreal? Yeah. Okay. And then I really got the bug. So I loved editing already. And then I loved advertising. Because I of loved commercials. I loved film craft. I loved like, just like, you know, just all those iconic Ring and Ledbridge commercials or Jonathan Glazer commercials or... Back then, there was a Shots DVD would come out every month. Yeah. So, you know, it was exciting when that would come in and we'd all sit around and watch it and just, 
you know, it was always international work. It's so much easier to be exposed to work around the world now. But back then, it was like you waited for that DVD. And then you would all gather around. Yeah, and- we'd gather around and watch it and then watch, find our favorite spot, watch that a hundred times. Um, and so I really fell in love with like advertising film craft at that time. That's so cool. Yeah. And then it was a really hard road, especially in Montreal, to become an editor just because it was, uh, you know, diff- for, you know, it's a different kind of culture, language barrier. Do you speak French? All those things. Yeah. No, yeah I speak French. I learned it from moving there. Yeah. Well, I took French immersion, but it was really quite different than living in than living in Montreal. Yeah, for sure. Um, but then once I picked it up, it was funny. It really became like this. I don't know, like this. They loved that I was a guy from Toronto, working in Montreal, speaking French. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. So you had a little niche going there. Yeah, I had a little thing going, and yeah, just again worked my way up, worked my way up, started doing bigger spots there. And then a company in Toronto reached out to me to move back here to work. But at, at this point, how long have you been in Montreal? Like 10 years? That was 10 years, yeah. yeah. From beginning to the time I left, it would be 10 years. So wasn't it hard to leave? No. No, you were ready. I was ready. Okay. Yeah, it really felt like that chapter was ready to close. Um, and the winters were crazy. I was just like done. Um, so yeah, I was totally ready for a move. So you moved back here? Moved back here, start editing at. Do I say the company? Is that Sure, normal? yeah. Yeah, Relish. Relish, Relish awesome. editing, yeah. yeah. They gave me a great opportunity, Cape 8 and Steve Mans. Um, they just knew your work from the shows or whatever? There was a like, director did... I'd worked with. Okay. So a lot of bigger productions were directed by like other international directors or directors from Toronto and Montreal. Yep. Um, so a bunch of them were from Toronto or would work a lot in Toronto. So a lot, the, I guess Relish saw my work through these directors. And then they they wanted me to bring me on. That's so awesome. Okay, so you moved to Relish. Moved to Relish, and again, work really hard. Things are going. And great. are you an assistant at this point? No, 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 editor. They're like, come move to Montreal. You'll be a full on editor. Yeah, yeah. Move to Toronto. Full on editor. Work on all these big Fun spots. Spots. Yeah, yeah. Do that, and then do that for a few years. Kind of nothing. Like I. Like, I wouldn't say my career were, like, skyrocketed. It was, like, good. Yep. It was a rocky road, I'll say, actually. Okay. So, starting Relish, so it starts off pretty good. But it's also, Toronto's an interesting market for editors, especially back then. You know, there was, like, kind of a, how do you say that? There was the old guard, I'd say. Yeah, yeah you there know, was. There's, like, yeah. you know, the trusted editors in the industry in the city. So, to break into that as an outsider was pretty difficult. Yep. But I'm pretty tenacious and you know, hardworking and I don't really like to take no for an answer. Yeah. So I just kept working hard and, you know, a pretty typical kind of career at that point, like nothing like dramatic or. I would also say like, I'm curious, do you think there were less, this is going to be weird, but like less things to edit back then versus now where it's like, we need the 10, the 15, yeah. the 30, the 60, we need it in this format. We need yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. We like, Back then, it was like you cut a 30 and... Yeah, it was pretty kind of standard commercials. Yeah. It was a 30-second commercial, shot on film. Shot on film, less yeah. Less footage. Was the editing process different, by the way, when you were shooting on film? Like, how did that all work? I, th- no, I, th- I just remember, like, we would sit in same. a render and it would be rendering for half an hour. Now it's like yeah. 10 seconds. It was a little slower. Yeah. But, uh, you know, technology adapted for sure. Um, but edits used to take a lot longer. Now I feel it's like, we'll see the edit tomorrow while we're still on set. Right, 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 right. Like, it seems like everything's moving yeah, way faster. Yeah, the timelines are shorter. Yeah. Yeah, it depends. Some projects, yeah. Some projects, 
I personally try and bake in more time just to craft more. Um, cause I feel it's really important to show, especially the agency, something exceptional from the jump. I'm not a big fan of like showing a really rough and loose edit. I want them to watch it for the first time and it, to them, it feels almost complete, but you know, we can still fix the nuances and performance and things like that. I like it to feel like, wow, that's finished. And I'm, I, it shows in your work. I mean, you're you're known for your beautiful craft and incredible storytelling. Oh, but I'm thanks. sure back when you were coming up at Relish and you're trying to like, there's the yeah. old guard, you're like just trying to get proven and shown, like I'm sure you weren't able to Yeah, so to back then I was like, <laughs> I would do 20 versions of an edit. Right. Which I realized was not the right move. Like now in my... Because you're like, I'm not sure what they're going to like. Yeah, so. you try a hundred different things. And now, like I, I know now, for me, it's better to show them one killer thing than 20 okay things. I love that. You know? Uh, yep. So, yep. and now, again, through just this learning experience, it's like, it's so important for an editor to have a strong point of view, you know, and for the agency to... And I guess that comes over time is to trust the editor, you know? Well, let's let's walk through how you got to that process. So you're 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 getting more experience, you're clawing up to your top. You said you had a rocky road. So was there anything Yeah, so it's like in specific so competitive. No, it's just so competitive, right? So there'd be a couple months where you're really busy and then all of a sudden two months with nothing. And so the panic. Yeah. So it's like it gets stressful and you're like, oh, can I actually do this? So you question yourself a little bit or a lot. Um, but I think that that was good. I think it's good to like kind of struggle. So where do you think you like hit the mark? Was there a specific campaign that you worked on or anything where you're like, ah, uh, yes, I'm the guy now. I'm I'm the person people call and seek out. Is there like a- well, there's probably a project, but I think the more important thing for me, and I think for all editors, it's really important is to figure out your process okay. when editing. Cause I remember it was just like a spec spot, like a, it was a fake commercial essentially. And the director gave me all this footage and I didn't know where to start. And I was like, Holy crap, there was no script. It was just like, here's a loose idea. Let's do something. And it was a bit overwhelming at the beginning. Like just how do I, how do I tackle this? And I just had just figured out during that project, like my process to, really understand the footage, how to distill it, and how to really, just a way that helped me come up with ideas. And it was, happened by accident kind of, but when I had figured that out, I started to apply that to everything I did. I would, I'd never diverted from the process. Really? Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So you still to this day use that I thing? Still to these days. You've got it's like, like this patented. Like, that's like my Bible. I will never divert from that. So, and it's not like a complicated thing. It's just a real, it's just, uh, it's really taking your time and looking at all the footage. And do you look at everything? You have to. You watch the whole you thing. You have to. What if there's you like four days of you have to. shooting? You have to. Five days, you have to. You sit there and. So let me ask you this Do you prefer to be on set and see it live? No. No. I can't. I, I really don't enjoy that. Really? Yeah. Like I was just on a project last week and I was on set. I was I went to set. It was in Vancouver because it was a tight timeline to edit like live. Okay, but I think I spent two hours on set. The rest of the time I was at the hotel room editing it. So what is it about being on set that drives you nuts? It's just like it's too. I don't like to be around 
I don't like to like I, just, I don't like to like sometimes there's tension on set or you just sure. hear the same line a hundred times and yep. it's kind of boring for me. Okay, to be like, honest. just get me the footage. I like to go and check it out and like, oh, this is fun. Yeah, and for two out. hours. Yeah, then I'm out. Then you're like, back to the Fairmont, I'm going to edit yeah, the exactly. shit out of this thing. But I would go to set and show them cuts, get some feedback, and then I would leave. Or I'd do a few changes on live, and then I would go. But just to sit there and watch like, you know, a hundred takes. There's a lot of sitting around. Yeah. Moving cameras yeah, exactly. and whatever. And you're like, I could be editing this yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Only... So what's your dream process then? Do you like to be, in, do you like to see the script before it's shot? Do you oh, just yeah. like to be... I love to look at the director's treatment. You do? Oh, yeah. Director's treatment, script. Maybe have brief conversations with people. Before it's shot. Before it's shot. Because you might say... important question, really important question is to understand the tone. Okay. Um, finding out the tone of the piece, right? Like, you know, is it funny? Is it sentimental? Is it profound? It's important to, like, get a kind of, like, hone in on what the tone of the film is going to be. You right. know? Yeah. Early. Because that will help you as a guiding light through the editing process. So, actually, so, so if somebody gives you a tone, but they don't give you music or anything, I, I feel like it falls on the editor half the time yeah. to create that. Is that part of your process? Like, yeah. do, you, do you play a song in the room and you're like, get in the mood? Or how does that work? Yeah, I've been known to play one song on repeat. Really? Really loud. So when I'm going through my process, yeah, yeah, like I'll close my door. It's like two days. And sometimes it's the same song. Because it just speaks to you? It's like, I think this it just becomes song. hypnotic. No, it's, it could be something totally different. Really? It nothing to do with the spot, but it's just like, I just kind of zone out and kind of go into like a weird headspace and just... That's awesome. <laughs> I feel like this is Secrets of Editing Revealed. <laughs> when you were editing from home with your whole family, like, Dad, shut the oh freaking song off. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I have headphones, don't worry. That's cool. Yeah, so... So you like to be involved early. Do you yeah. ever find that you uh, like collaborate with the director? Like, hey, this would be a really cool editing point if you could capture this. Yeah, or yeah, you do. Yeah, okay. a lot of the time we talk early, and if there's storyboards, we'll go over storyboards. Sometimes we do mood films or like kind of things like that. And it's funny we do those mood films and we find the tone early. Yeah. Right. So you yeah. kind of like just use found footage and put music to it, and you can, which is really nice. Because yeah. you can kind of do a bit of the heavy lifting early. So so it's more work, but it, I think it pays off in the end. Talk to me about We the North. Oh, because the North. I, that to me was like, it blew my mind. And I feel like everybody saw that film and then they're like, who edited that? And then everybody wanted to work with you forever. Yeah. So can you talk about that piece, the music, the the choices you made there? And like, I feel like it not only inspired sports enthusiasts, but a whole city. And if not, it uh, an entire country oh, wow. like the whole everybody rallied around that yeah. that work so what what was that process that was insane <laughs> but that was one of those projects we kind of asked earlier that kind of put you on the map yes so that would be the one i would say i i think so too because yeah. i just like jaws dropped collectively across yeah. the country so who was the director who was the agency how did that whole process director was work? Stuart mcintyre and the agency was sidley and so Stuart was a close friend and we were both kind of coming up and like in our, you know, just trying to get on the best projects and, you know, losing jobs a lot. It was a challenging time in my career at that time, leading up to that, that project. And so he got the job and then I think it was probably a pretty hard sell to get me on the job, but I got on it and I was like, 
this is like it's I knew it was a dream. I knew I knew how important it was for his career, my career, the agency because I think it was their first project with uh the Raptors. Um and then it was just an insane. It was like they shot it on like a Thursday, Friday and we had to have it approved by like Sunday. Cuz I think the first What, really? Or Sunday or Monday. Yeah, Sunday cuz there was a bunch of posts to do. So by Monday it had to be like done done like out of VFX and I remember it had to be like at the broadcaster by like 7 p.m. that night. But what about your process? Yeah, there was a process. What about your process of like I got to be with the music and like be with the footage? No, there wasn't that. This was like this was like insane. But nobody knew what it was going to become. Like like how well, like still to this day, we the North and like that yeah, whole yeah, rally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't know it was going to be like a seismic kind of culture shifting piece. It really was. I know the expectation was there. Um, Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so were you? Um, so you saw the script beforehand. Is the script what we now see on film? Uh, yeah, like the words. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, the voiceover for sure. Okay. That was locked in, and then. And so they then... they had this we the North platform, which is so fantastic. Yeah. And then Stuart's vision was what? Stuart's vision. And like, how did you help bring that to life? It just, it just feels so big when you watch that film. Yeah. To, to hear that it was all done in four days or whatever is bananas to me. Yeah. I thought it was going to be one of your like, took weeks and we crafted it. and we. So, so happy I get on the project. Dream project with my buddy, the director. Lots of pressure though. We know that. And... What happens? So they start shooting. I'm cutting like 24-7 as I get the footage, cutting it at night, waking up early the next day, cutting it at night, just like going through it as fast as I can. And then I think it was like a Sunday. He comes in for a bit. That's normal, right? The director comes and works yeah. with you first. Right? Yeah, yeah. But there's no time to really work on it. Like we're just really trying to get it together. So he comes in. Working on it. AGZ comes in later that day. Like on a Sunday? Yeah, it was a Sunday. No <laughs> one slept. It's just a total no one shit slept. show. It's just like a shit show. There's so much like, there's a lot of pressure. You can feel it. Yeah. And uh, what happens? So the, the there's so much, um, the timeline's so tight that there's like the, the, the hero film, which I'm working on, and then there's all these teasers. So the AGZ brought an in-house editor to work at our studio. Oh, wow. To work on these teasers. Okay. Um, so now he's in the office. Right. Okay. So now backtrack. I'm in the edit. Back to Sunday. Director's there. Agency comes in, watching it. Not feeling the uh, excitement, I'll say. Really? From the agency. Yeah. At this point. Um, and then Stuart leaves. He's got to leave agency we're working away working away and then slowly one by one they start leaving the room oh my god and you're like what's happened like yeah, so one, guy would, leave, one the- guy would leave and then it would be like 20 minutes another guy would leave eventually no one's in my room and i'm like where is everyone yeah this is weird yes yeah. um and it was getting pretty late on a sunday it was like 10 o'clock and so at one point they're like okay i think we can call for tonight isn't it due tomorrow? Yeah, exactly. Jeez. And so I'm like, you sure? They're like, yeah, yeah, we'll just pick it up tomorrow. And uh, so I, I'm leaving. And as I'm driving home, 
my producer calls me and she's like, she's like, what happened? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, they're pulling you off the project. <gasps> and I was like, what? And so then Stuart calls me. He's like, what happened? They told me you're, they're pulling you off the project. I'm like, what? And so I'm heartbroken at this point. Of course. Yeah. And so I get home. My wife knows how like excited I was. It was a pretty dark night. And then, so they start working with this other guy. Right. Fr- from their in-house guy. Right. On the edit. Do you keep working or no? You're just like, so, yeah, dream's so dead. Or you're like, where, like, oh, I'm going to fucking show them. Kind of. Good. So the next day, I come to the office. And I was pretty like depressed. So I get to the office. Everyone's trying to like, kind of like pat me on the back. You're okay. And uh, I'm just like, kind of like, like, I'm just like kind of trying to figure it out in my head for a minute. And then finally I'm like, Stuart comes over because he's there now with this other guy. Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh man, okay. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Then I'm like, you know what, Stuart? I'm just going to keep kind of plugging away here. And so I just kind of started plugging away again. And then Stuart's back with the other guy. The agency's back with the other guy. Very awkward. Yeah, in situation. The same space, Extremely like, awkward situation. Yeah. Like, I've never been probably much more awkward than that. Yeah. But also, I was kind of like, fuck it. Yep. And then, so from what I understand is it's not going great in the other room. And so Stuart texts me. He's like, oh, <laughs> Text you from next door. Yeah, from like the room next door. <laughs> and he's like, this is... Oh man, this isn't going great. Yeah. And so then now I'm getting a little bit of like, a, I'm getting a little bit of like, I'm getting inspired a little bit. So I just start like getting into it now. And I'm by myself, which is like a nice thing just to be by myself and like sit with my ideas and just try stuff. And so I'm kind of getting somewhere. So Stuart comes over, has a look at it. He gives me a couple of like thoughts. And so then he goes. Like he sneaks out. Yeah. He's like, we're going to the bathroom, yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like tiptoes. <laughs> and so then he comes back. So then, or he leaves. And then he must say something to the, like, the agency. Because then all of a sudden the CD comes in. Hey, man. <laughs> um, what you got? What yeah. you got going on, and buddy? So cut to the chase. So they see it. They're getting, they're getting a, a little bit of vibe now. Um, and so basically. I think I was like an hour or two later, they all come back and they're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. You guys are both going to cut it. And at five o'clock, we're going to look at the cuts and pick a winner. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's like the Hunger Games editing. Yeah, yeah, it was. It literally was. And then I was like really, like, really pumped. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I just went in hard and worked really hard on it. And then, yeah, we showed the edits. They liked mine. And then I think we worked for a few more hours just to hone in on a few things, mm-hmm. you know? And then I think we showed the client that next morning at like 7 a.m. And and then history was made. Yeah. And, and then, then the whole world, or all of Canada at least, yeah, freaked out. Yeah. And then it dropped and it was like, I remember my sister-in-law, who's like, you know, in medicine, texted me. Hey, did you do the Raptors thing? Like 20 minutes after it went live. Really? I I believe it, actually. And then it was just like, yeah, everywhere. It was kind of like, for me, it was like when I Am Canadian dropped 20 years ago and like everybody rallied around that. It felt like Mm -hmm. the the next big thing that the whole, it just felt so patriotic. It got us all fired up about our team. And there was just a a lot going on in that spot that was so beautiful. But what I love about the story you just told was, 
you talked about being tenacious and figuring it out. And that's exactly what the story is. And it's interesting to me as a writer that you, that there's like a whole different process that happens with editing. And I actually don't understand it. I don't understand how you take puzzle pieces and not every piece fits, right? Like there's, here's a, here's 10,000 puzzle pieces, make 10 of them fit together to tell this narrative. And especially a piece like We the North, like you see that now and you're like, oh my God, it's so amazing. But clearly there are a hundred different ways, a thousand different ways to cut that, that piece. Yeah. There's a lot of footage. Even though you said the voiceover remained the same, Mm -hmm. the basic spot remained the same. But there were clearly, like the way you first did it wasn't right. The way somebody else does it, like it took it took a while. Yeah, it took a minute to like crack it. So what do you think? What do you think? Was it was it the? I think it's just the pressure. Like it was the pressure. I don't know. I find like I'm like a high pressure person. Like I can perform in those situations. Is what I've realized. It's like when like it's time to perform. You like for something happens in my brain, and it, it's like I can just get into it. Um, but were you already under so much pressure? Like, they're like, do this in a day. Yeah, it was crazy. But that might have been overwhelming because it was still. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, you said something too. You said, once everybody left. Yes, exactly. And I could like take a minute. Yeah. And dust myself off. Exactly. And I, got, I got nothing to lose. Exactly. But I got everything to win. Yeah. And you just went in there and. Yeah. And you know what? You feel that in the film, actually. Like, at the time, we hadn't won. We weren't like the big winners in the, yeah. the Drake super team that we are now. Like at the time, it felt like this rebirth of the Raptors and we were the underdog and we were like coming with something to prove. Yeah. And I wonder if what you were feeling when you were editing translated in, into that. I think I edit. must have it. Like it was so crazy. And like, then everybody's like, we want Graham. We yeah, want yeah. Graham. Then it was kind of like just awesome. Then, it, Yeah. Your whole career yeah. blew up. Yeah. There was a lot of work and a lot of great people. And funny enough, even though it was so, it was such a, at the time, a shitty situation, like with the agency being like pulled off the project, I did probably 10 more projects with those guys. For sure. After that. For sure. It was great. We have like this great friendship and they're great guys. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, I've been pulled off, pro- like everybody's sort yeah, of yeah. had these projects that have become total shit shows and we all learn from them. Yeah. And it's business at the end of the day, yeah, exactly. right? It's, it is art. Like we are in the business of art, but it's business, the art mm-hmm. of business. Yeah, of course. And what you created with that, like actually in many ways, they give you such a great gift mm-hmm. because they didn't settle and just say like, okay, like, I guess, I guess this is the spot. Yeah. They really pushed you to somewhere. Yeah. I probably never, yeah, it wouldn't have been what great. it was. I think if that were, there wasn't that conflict. Oh man, that's such, yeah. a, that's such a great story. Yeah. I'm so glad you shared that. Yeah. And so after We the North, I mean, you've cut so many beautiful things and continue to blow my mind and everybody's mind with things like uh, Love is Messy for Kruger and and Immortal for Rom. Like, how did you... Yeah, that was a monster. So, because we, we had... Um, we've actually talked about both those pieces on mm-hmm. the show before. And the one, the Immortal one was shot... Like, it looks underwater. Yeah, it's all shot it was, in a studio. But it's just... shot in a studio. Like, how do you... When you're working with so many special effects... How is that editing process for you? How do you build that in your mind? It's just imagining. And you just like, have a wild imagination? Like, that's crazy. Yeah. And like Mark, the director, who's like the best. You guys work together all the time. Yeah. You and Zebra. Yeah, we time, have this right? nice, nice relationship and massive amount of trust from him. We just have a great time working together. Um, and he has just, just great ideas. And But specifically him, we spend a lot of time early in the process. 
Okay. Yeah, he'll have a script. Even like before he's writing his treatment, we start. We we'll, might talk about some stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. He'll just be like, I have this project. I'm just, I'm starting the treatment. He'll tell me a little bit about it, just to get thinking about it. Yeah. And then once he has his treatment, we'll talk more about it, or he'll pitch it. And then once, he, if he gets the job, then we really get into it. Yeah. But we spend a lot of time discussing, planning, kind of if there's storyboard, storyboarding, just looking at things together and kind of. Uh, finding the tone, things like that early. Because I think it's like, the editing process is so, can be so difficult yep. and daunting to to check a few boxes early, specifically tone and like music and things like that. If you can really hone in on that before they even shoot, which is rare, but it's, it can be done. Once you start editing, it's like you're focused on performance and pace and rhythm you're not trying to find the story you kind of know what the story is early um and so we do that a lot together so for you it's there's a trust and collaboration with the director with the yeah. creatives you're working with yeah what do you find the best process as you talked about early in your career you liked showing 20 edits and yeah. now you sort of show what you think is the best it's like here's here's yeah. what i love yeah what do you think is the best way for creatives to work with an editor to get to great give them a bit of time like don't rush it so i know some people like to come in like the day after the shoot that's just i think counterproductive to everyone because if the editor just doesn't know the footage if he doesn't understand it and hasn't gone through it like what's the point right you know like that's that like you're in his world now right right and that's where he needs to he or she needs to really Take some time and just digest it and understand it. And so when it comes to like problem solving, because a lot of times you get thrown curveballs, right? You can be like, oh, I remember that shot. Oh, this thing. Wow, that wasn't supposed to go there. But you know what? That could solve this problem. You know, you can, because it, it's a lot of problem solving. Yes. You know, yeah. at, at times. Or like, oh, we didn't get that. We don't have yeah. that shot. Yeah. So how do we fix that? Oh, you know what? I saw this thing and this shot that was actually from another scene. Maybe it works. Let's try that, you know? So it's like a willingness to play. Definitely a willingness to play. So I'd say give the editor some time up front. Uh, hopefully there's trust with the director. Give the director a bit of time too. Just let them craft it a bit. Take some time. Let them craft it. Because you're going to have your time as the agency to come in and play too. So I think it's like from the early stage, from a production standpoint, I think it's like pat in a bit of time. Pat in a little more editing time. And what about for this screening process? Like we sort of got agency rough cut, agency fine cut, client. Mm -hmm. Like wh how do you how do you like to work best? Like for example, I know a lot of clients are like, "Well, just send us the like we don't have time to drive down to Richmond and Spadina." Like yeah, I yeah. <laughs> posted on uh, Frame.io. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's important they're there cuz you can talk through things and like a project I just did, like the CMO came in and he was like pretty involved in the editing process. And he had some ideas and we, we cracked them pretty quickly together. Whereas it could have been like 20 links. It could have been 20 links. You know, whereas yeah. we spent an afternoon together and we got it done. So do you find mostly people are back back in the editing? Oh, suite? yeah. Everyone's in. Yeah. Agency's in. And it's usually if it's like a, a job, like an international project, it's a little more remote sometimes. Sure. Are you finding you're doing more of those now? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I do quite a bit. Like for what? countries are you i do like u.s work yeah and then some uh but i do like kind of work all over 
So I've done like some work in Germany and Singapore, like random places. Well, actually, sorry, you mentioned U.S. work and I would love to talk about how you ended up, were you in L.A.? Yeah, I moved to L.A. for five years. So really, well, maybe not quickly, we can take as long as you want, but you you do the We the North, your career blows up, like it's like that critical tipping point Yeah. where you're like, yes. Yeah. And then what happens? L.A. calls and they're like, hi, move your whole kind family and like, like come to L.A. Such a maniac. My wife hates me for it. <laughs> Is that like, I never settle for things. Okay. So, yeah, do the We the North. Things are going great. Lots of work. Happy. But I'm like, well, this can't be it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've won Toronto. Like, I guess that's... Which is kind of how I felt in Montreal. I was like, oh, this can't be it. Right. And then I was like, okay, Toronto. Perfect. Do Toronto. Okay. Do Toronto. Things are going great. Well, this can't be it. Yeah. You know? But it was a big climb, by the way, in Toronto. It wasn't just like you moved to Toronto. No, and you no, were like no. It was the a star. Long road. Like, there was years plugged. where I questioned my career. Like I was like, I'm, I guess I'm I guess probably not gonna make it as an editor. Like I've had those conversations with myself. Wow, which is so crazy. You know? So um But again, you just have to never give up and be tenacious. I know it kind of sounds cliche, but I think if you really want something in life, just like stay focused. And I think when the when the times are tough, I think that's good. You know? You can look back on those times and like you know, you kind of grew as a person because you decided you're not going to give up. Um, but yeah, California. So what happened? It might have been before We the North. Yeah, so things actually aren't going great. Oh, what? it was before We the North? Well, this is my like mindset. So before We the North, probably two years before, I'm just like a really ambitious person. So I decided I want to get repped in the States. I didn't know I was going to move there or do anything. Okay. But I was like, I want to get repped in the States. So, Which I actually didn't know was a thing for editors, to be honest. I think it's really rare. It was really rare at the time. Cool. And so I just like looked up the best editing companies in America. And so there was, I don't know, like 40. Got out the old shots reels. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, who yeah. edited what? I just found them. Like, I knew a bunch of them, but then I was sure. like, hey, let me make a real list. Let me actually do something. And so I emailed like 100 people. Say, right. There's no like agent calling for no, you. You just I just sent emails and I just said, Hey, I'm gonna be in New York on Friday. Would love to meet. And did you fly yourself to New York? Yeah. So I wait I actually didn't have a ticket to New York, but I was like, I'm gonna see if anyone responds. And it was funny, like the one like a few people I was like, Oh, those people will write back, never wrote back. And the people some of the people I thought would never write me or would ever take a meeting with me are the ones who wrote me back. Wait, and you just like bought a ticket and yeah, took so yourself I bought a to ticket. New York? It was like a week before. I was like, let's just see what happens. See if anyone anyone bites. And so, yeah, send the emails. You know, maybe 10 out of 60 people write back, but 10 good ones. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay, this is cool. And uh, this story's awesome. I didn't know this happened. Yeah, you yeah. set yourself, you're like, I'm going to be here on the 10th. And yeah. And you just like, just flew down. Just so I flew like, down. Hope meetings happen. Yeah, I hope meetings happen. Holy shit. But I think this I had like so cool. five or six meetings and like, it was just really nice. So, so you're just like zipping around Manhattan. Yeah, zipping around meetings? Manhattan, having these meetings, like some dude from Toronto. <laughs> oh my God, this is amazing. And you just like, you cut a reel, obviously a fabulous Yeah, I sent them a reel and like some work I thought was good. And it was like good enough that they were like, okay, let's talk. And it's more, and now that I own a business, I love talking to people. And I love when someone calls me. Like I love when someone cold calls me. Because like, hey. you see yourself in that? Yeah, because I think it's like, it takes a lot to like put yourself out there. You know, a lot of people won't do that. Um, 
And so anyways, yeah, I had the meetings and then nothing came of it, but people, I was on, people knew me now. Like they knew my name. We'd had a coffee. We talked for half an hour. And was your whole shtick like, uh, like send me work up in Canada, like your overflow and I'll edit it from Toronto. I don't know what I was thinking. I was just like, I want to just do some U.S. work somehow. Let's figure it out. You guys can rep me. And what happened? So basically, so cool. I just kept in touch with people. So like there was some like award shows I would go to. I knew people would be at. So I'd always make a point to like connect with them at these award shows. So again, you would just fly yourself to the one show or whatever. Yeah, and, like, go it was like, uh, like editing award shows. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, and so I started to get a few little awards here and there. So I was there and they would see me. Um, and then we'd have a coffee or a drink and talk for a bit. And then I kind of struck up a friendship with one of them. We tried to like, he was like, okay, let's try and get you on some projects. And so nothing really happened. He tried, we weren't winning the projects. And then I remember one day I just got a text. It just said, fuck it. I want you to move to LA. What? Yeah. But LA wasn't even on your radar. It was just New York. And like, well, I'd met him in New York, but he was based in LA. Oh, um, yeah. All yeah, these yeah. people are all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bi-coastal. Yeah, exactly. They always have two offices. Um, but yeah. Fuck it, move to LA. He said, fuck it. I, gotta, I wish I could find the text. That's hilarious. Yeah, he said, fuck it, I want you to move to LA. And I was just like, oh. Because I actually had a job offer in New York. So that was in like December. And I had an offer to, to move to New York in August from a different company. But it was just like, it just wasn't right. I just it wasn't like, I don't want to live in New York. Okay. Yeah. You're like, I, I, start, don't mind. I started looking at like living there. Yeah. And it was just like, you're in an apartment and it just wasn't the right lifestyle move for me. And like with the fam the family was going to stay in Toronto and you'd no, be, we'd all go. you're all going to move in the, oh, yeah. you got to deal with like New York school system. Yeah. And, like, I just like, <laughs> I kind of got cold feet on that. And yeah. I was kind of at that moment, at that time, I was like, I guess I'm not moving to the States ever. But yeah. then I still kept in touch with this guy. And, uh, that must've been a hard decision to turn down too. Yeah. New York, I mean, at the time. Yeah. 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 But it just didn't feel right. It was like a kind of gut feeling. Yep. So that's something to always follow your gut. I know cliche, but true. Um, yeah. So. So we're then where you're like, what does this mean? Like what? Well, we got on a call like the next day and he's like, yeah, we just kind of hashed it out. I flew down there. We had a few meetings. And what was the, what was the company in LA that it's you It's called Arcade. For? Arcade. Arcade. Yeah. Yeah. And was your whole family like, cool? We weren't down with New York, but like LA seems cool? Yeah. Did the whole family move? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. And so then, yeah, the next year, so that was like the end of the year, December-ish. And so the next year, I think in April, I moved down. And then by June, they were all there. Like you had young kids. Yeah. yeah. They were like seven and yeah, like four. Did you sell your house? No. Oh, kept okay. It, kept it. Phew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you like, we'll rent out the house. We'll just try it. Yeah, this. we rented it out. I was like, try it or stay or let's just do it. This is so cool. And then so you moved to LA. Moved to LA, exciting, get settled. And so, what year is this? That was 2017. Oh man, so cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And then, but now I'm starting over. Oh, so, like, because nobody knows you? Nobody knows me. And so, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. I feel like you wanted that. No, I did. That's the whole thing. Yeah. I'm such a, yeah, I'm a sadist. But, uh. So are you hustling down there? Like, how do you even. Oh, it's such a weird market there. You don't hustle. Like here, you know, people kind of hustle. Yeah. They're taking meetings and lunches and there. It's very different there. There's this like, uh, system in place. It's like sales reps. 
Okay. And it's like pretty, it's just, they do the sales. You, you're you not at the you're lunches. Not, you're not in there. You're not doing any of that. Oh, Which felt weird for me. Yeah. Because I was used to doing it. Um, but they just had their process. It's just the way the industry's kind of run there. Okay. Um, yeah, just again, working hard, trying to figure it out, land a few nice projects, just chipping away basically. Yeah. Right? And just like keeping my eye on the ball and just trying and trying. Um, then it's going good. So everything's going good. Getting more traction, getting more work. But it's nice work and it's, you know, big, big productions and, you know, global work, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I was loving all that. And did you like living in L.A.? Did the family yeah. like living yeah, in L.A.? Yeah, we, we were living in a great neighborhood and we have great friends that we still like, are still with some of our closest friends. Oh, that's wicked. The yeah. weather's nice. Yeah. Like, what's that to like? Yeah, exactly. But. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, anyways, pandemic hits. Things are getting kind of crazy. Oh, so you were there for like three years. Yeah. Now it's 2020. Yeah. You're like, everything's amazing. Crash. Yeah. And LA really shut down, much like Toronto did. Yeah. But like, weren't there, I'm trying to remember, there were like riots and there was like, you couldn't. Yeah, it was kind of nuts. Um, what's it? They were like curfews. Yeah, there was like George Floyd riots and. Oh my God. Yeah, it got messy. But it was fine. It's funny to, to this, my son like loves the pandemic. To he this, did? To this day, he's like, oh, dad, the pandemic was the best. Because he didn't have to go to school? He was just at home and then we'd hang out with like our neighbors who are our close friends. Like bubbled or whatever. Yeah, bubbled and just hanging out, and they would just have the best time. Yeah. Somebody had a pool. I'm gonna yeah, guess it's LA. There was a pool. <laughs> basketball. Oh, basketball. Yeah, yeah. It was really nice. I mean, it's kind of funny to say it. But no, we were, there were things that were cool, but I, yeah. I don't disagree. So he has these great, probably like his best childhood memories Aww, from the pandemic. That's so yeah. nice. But you're like, we gotta go. Yeah, and so then, but now I'm like really questioning like working for someone and I just felt kind of, uh, I just kind of felt like I didn't have any, any control over my destiny. Cause you know, it was like companies were trying to figure stuff out and trying to get, make sure they didn't have to lay people off. And it was just such a mess. It was a mess. And, and things really did screech to a halt, especially for yeah, in production. I probably didn't work for six months. Just terrifying. You know, and they were amazing. Like they paid me the whole time, which was like, you know, I couldn't have survived if they didn't. Um, but I was like, okay, I have to really be smarter now and think about like the rest of my life. Um, and so, you know, the seed, I've always had like an entrepreneurial spirit and I've always like in the back of my head wanted to have my own company or start a company. Um, and so, yeah, I guess some point mid pandemic, I was just like, I can't just like be here and just waiting for things to happen. I need more, you know, I want, I want to kind of do it on my own. And did you think about starting something in LA? I thought about it, but it, I wasn't as well established there. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't have, I don't think it would have went as well right out of the gate. Like I know I could do it. Yeah. But like I could go to LA now and probably set up and be maybe a little. Maybe that's next. Yeah, maybe. Nimeo Perry, <laughs> LA. That'd be nice. So. And so basically, yeah, long story short, just. So you started doing Zoom calls or whatever with people back home, I assume yeah. is what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Like you call up your old friend Julie and you're like, hey, yeah. what's up, girl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Called the old friends. And yeah, we just kind of figured it out. And But, for, but, but you're still in LA I'm at still this in point. LA, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And are you floating this by the family? Like, hey, guys, what if we move back to Toronto? Yeah. And everyone's like, yay? Like, or they're like, like, no, they're like this. Like, they have blinders on. They're like, what? They're like, no, we have My a pool, kids Dad. Are like, what are you talking about? Yeah. We love LA. Yeah, yeah. 
No, it was kind of heartbreaking to leave, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Because I did love it and I loved like our life there. Yeah. Um, But now, like where I'm at now, it feels like it was so the right choice. For sure. Yeah. And to I mean, think if two years passed and I was still working for a company. Just that, that, because that could doing, have been it. Yeah. Just doing the same thing. Yep. Which would have been fine. Yep. But I don't think I would feel as fulfilled. Yep. And like, I don't know, I just feel better about my future now. So did um, you move back to start a company? Yeah. So what year is this? That's 2021. But aren't you like, man, they're paying me like everything. Yeah. Like the world's kind of on fire. Uh, I know. that's my. Let's quit my paycheck and yeah, exactly. like try to start something. My wife loved that idea. Yeah. Wasn't she like, no. She's like, what? <laughs> she's very supportive. What do you mean? No, she's amazing. She's amazing. I got to shout her out. Yeah. She's yeah, yeah. like, because she quit her job. So she put, kind of put her whole life on hold for me to follow my dream. You know, it was like pretty awesome. And so I'm very grateful yeah. for her sacrifice. She's amazing. Um, so so now she's like, what the, we're moving back? Yeah. And you're going to take the steady paycheck and yeah, yeah. forget that and exactly. risk it all. Risk it all. But I guess, in fairness, it's like risk with a big safety net. Yeah. Because let's say you started something and it ended up being not what you wanted to do. There are so many editing houses that would love to have you mm -hmm. as talent for them. Sure. Could have moved back to LA. Could have. Yeah. Tried New York, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Gone anywhere and tried. So I guess you, it's like calculated risk. Yeah, it was calculated risk. Yeah. And so how did the... So t talk to us about the start of Nimeo Pair and what the heck Nimeo Pair means. And Yeah, so basically Raj, Julie and I started it. And, and Raj is an editor. Yeah, Raj is an editor. And Julie's a business yep. genius. Executive producer. Executive producer. Genius. Okay. Amazing. Like the best people um julie and i go back to humber together okay nice yeah we were, we were in the same year at humber no we, we, we moved to vancouver great... to work together at one point like okay i love julie okay nice okay so the three of you yeah we just have this great chemistry and like we all have our strengths like raj is like just the best sweetest person you know julie can just rally the troops and run the business side and so we all we kind of complement each other in a way so you're like the three of us yeah we're gonna so we just start kinda, like, a company talk about it plan it but didn't you find it hard, like being a creative guy? And I mean, you're also a business guy, but just like, let's start a company. Like, how does? Yeah, yeah. How do how do you do spreadsheets and yeah. budgeting and forecasting and like billing and? Yeah, lots of advice from close friends who own companies. To be honest, um, listened to them and took some pointers for sure. Got an accountant very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the <laughs> um, shit you don't want to do. All it's the like, stuff you don't want to do. I want to focus on the yeah growing the. There's still like business stuff editing. to do, but yeah. I just want to just focus on the editing. Because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing for our company. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. So, and you convinced two other people to quit their steady paychecks and do yeah, it with you. Yeah. And hold hands. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. So did you, so you moved the whole family back to Toronto? Yeah, I've got the family back. I think launched we, the company. I think we launched the day I was like flying home. Actually? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. It was the day we flew home. So that was big. And were you guys in an office or were you like, we're going to work remote and just be this like. We worked uh, remote. A little bit at the beginning, but we also had friends who lent us some office space. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. I didn't know that. Like different VFX companies. Yep. Um, lent us some space. So we had like a place to go. I should shout them out. Studio Feather. It was really kind of them. Right on. Um, and yeah, so we had a place to go like from day one and just be like a little company. There's only like four of us. So it was me, Julie, Raj, and Brian was our first assistant. Okay. Who's still with us. Um, now he's an editor. And did you have clients? I think Raj booked our first job. 
Were you just like, if we build it, they will come? Like, was this your like yeah, editing of like, dreams yeah, it's over gonna here? Yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Just, I feel like it was the perfect timing. It was a good time to launch I was, a business, I was, for sure. But also because like, I was in the right place in my career. Raj was. We were all in the right places to like launch it and not like kind of know the work was going to come. Yep. Like, I, don't, I think it would have to be a, something really bad would have to happen for it to fail. So, but this way we still had our growing pains. Um, but yeah, we booked a job pretty quickly. I think we booked a job before we even had a name. How wow. How did that work? How did that work? Something happened. Someone called and they had a job for Raj. And I think it was like in between launching and yeah, it was in the in-between phase. So we knew we had one project before we actually launched. That's wow. what it was. And that was awesome. That is cool. Because we were just like, oh God, okay, there's some money. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! You know? Oh man. Yeah. And that we just like worked really hard and figuring out the name was difficult. So what is the name? Yeah, yeah. The name the name was the T- name means to be bold or bold work. You can kind of interpret it in two ways. And in it, what language is Nimiopair? Nimiopair is like no language. Yeah. But it's you kinda, edited it together. We did. We edited the name. So initially it was two words, Nimeo Opair. Yeah. We had all these different names and we went down this road of Latin names for some reason. I can't remember how we got there, but we did, maybe. <laughs> and uh, well, we had this list. I hated the name, actually, Nimeo Pair. And Julie really hated it. What? Raj didn't love it either. But if some reason it kept, it stayed on this list. We had this list of names. It's a fun word to say. Yeah. Okay. Nice. It's like Nimeo Pair. Nice. Nice. And it's very different from everything else. That's, I think, why it's stuck. So we had this list and like every day we'd like delete a name. Now that one's Tell me work. some of the rejected I can't names. even remember like, them. Are there any Honestly, like hilarious I ones c- where you're like, what? We almost named it. Well, there was an early round, like a really early round. Like there must have been some funny ones. And we had a friend helping us, like uh, who's like into strategy and branding and things like that. So he helped us a lot with the naming conventions. Um, To be honest, he proposed all the names and had like a deck and like. That's cool. Like a reason behind each name. Yeah. So I think the worst one was Cut Hut. (laughs) The the Cut Hut is actually amazing. That's so bad. I was like, what? Oh my God, the Cut Hut. But I kind of love it. The Cut Hut? The Cut Hut. (laughs) Oh my god! So that didn't stick. Oh, that's so funny. That one didn't stick, and no one can use that name. No, yeah, now you <laughs> definitely can't. The cut hut. Oh so, anyways, god. we rebriefed him. <laughs> it was funny. I love it so much. And then we came back with all these kind of Latin names, and like, sure, we want the brand to feel a little more elevated. I think was one of our things. Nimeo Pair does feel very elevated versus yeah. the cut hut, but not pretentious. And we wanted it to be a conversation piece. Like the name mm-hmm. might be something people are like, what? What is that? Yeah. And so going through the whole process and realizing we hated this name, we also started to love it. Yeah. Because it was so different. And it made me so uncomfortable at first. We all didn't feel comfortable with it. It was weird. And then finally me and Raj were like loving it. Like, yeah, I think this is it. And it was still two words. And then I remember the branding guy was like, Julie, take the name, put it on your bathroom mirror and just look at it over the weekend just see how you feel on monday and she came back she's like i still hate it i still hate it <laughs> oh my god i love julie so much like, what i can totally picture me and raj are like that. what and like i remember having sidebars with raj raj we gotta talk to her yeah, like, yeah. we gotta make this work yeah yeah come on man we gotta like this is the name and then i don't know how we got there but somehow we combined it into one word so it was just nimeo op- nimeo pair as it is now yeah 
And I think it was like another week. And then finally she was like, okay, okay, let's do it. It's just been up on our mirror in the bathroom. Yeah. For first. Like, oh, fine. And so we picked it and we were just like really excited about it. And then from there it was like kind of designing it. Like there was no design yet or kind of brand elements. Yeah. And so then there was that whole evolution, which was like really fun. Indifferent too. Like yeah. I was so surprised when he when we were presented with it. Um, because it's kind of psychedelic. It's so cool. This whole this whole process, like is the really logo and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, whoa, <laughs> okay, I like it. A little bit of the cut hut, yeah, filtering in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, and now, how many are you? How many at Nimeo Pair? Now, yeah, I think we're fifteen. So from four to fifteen in the last. Yeah, two years. Two years, that's yeah. it. It's just been two years. Yeah. And you got you guys are cutting wonderful things. You're winning the Mick Griffin Gold oh Award God. for editing. Did that feel awesome? Yeah, it was, it was nice. awesome seeing you up on oh, stage. Oh, thanks. Very well-deserved. And Yeah, that was a really fun... You could have won that a hundred times over for so many things you've done. Oh, thanks. That was great. That was so fun to edit. It was just like... Yeah, it was just good times. Yeah, what made that so fun? I just think like the, the theme... Obviously, like the idea was just like, like, love is messy. What is it? Uh, sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, love, Light, yeah, love is messy. Love is messy. Life is messier. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, like what a like great line. Yeah, like just so good. And you guys work quite tight with um, Broken Heart Love Affair. Like it feels like you guys. Yeah, we do some things together. Not everything for sure, but. We have but a it's great... like they're an independent agency. You're yeah. an upstart. It's like you work a lot with um, was it Zebert who did love? Yeah, Mark yeah. directed that. Yeah, and it's like you guys have such a good collaborate. Like it just feels like that whole creative process. And it's just like between... nice energy. Yeah, yeah, and, and like massive amounts of trust. Yeah, massive amounts of trust, including with the client. Yeah, yeah, and she was like, you know, she was unbelievable. She was fantastic, and because she has to sell that to her, you know, the owners of Kruger. Yeah, who are a pretty like safe company, you know. Um, but she did it, and yeah, and like the song, the song was incredible. That really, I think, pulls it together. Who did the music for that? Oso did the mix, and then... Because it was really beautiful. I can't remember who did the music licensing. But it was just like, they, it was like the redone track, yeah. and it really worked with the edit. Like, yeah. every edit was really thoughtful in that piece. Yeah, like, I didn't edit to the song either. It's like, we had a different song on there for a long time and then there was a moment everyone was like okay we have to change the song we need a new song so we tried about a hundred songs doesn't that mess everything up when the song gets a little bit but not really it was kind of funny thing a lot of things were still working cool it to- I, would, I mean it totally works i would edit the song so i'd leave the edit and i would edit the song and then I'd only have to tweak the edit if i had to do editors have to they do you guys become audio engineers yeah before the audio host gets involved in many yeah i always like you guys like okay i'll just like repeat this part and yeah, edit yeah. this part out um, but I remember like when we found that song, the producer actually found it, Erica, and it was like a Friday. It was just me and her in the edit room. And she's like, hey, can you try this song? And so I'm like, sure. And so I put my headphones on just to like put it on and hear it first. And I was like, ooh, this is interesting. Ooh. And I had like a little- The original version of the song. Like No, the the song that's on there. So, it, so oh. she found this remake, this woman in uh, London who had done it. Oh my God, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah. I just assumed you recorded it no, different no. for the thing. No, that was like the song. Oh man. And so edit it and I'm like, this is going to be good. I just knew it. And turn it up really loud and hit play. And like, it just starts. We both look at each other. And just like, like you and Erica yeah. and edit. Oh, and that's we're just so like, wicked. Oh my God. And so it finishes. We're like, that's the song. This has to be it. 
And Mark's really sensitive to music and like sent it to him. He calls me right away. Dude, that sounds great. Who found that? I'm like, Erica. He's like, wow. He calls Erica. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, you nailed it. Yeah. And so, so like an awesome moment. But then we got the price for the, the price tag. Hey, right. Which was quite high. Right. And so it was a long process trying to get it to like a palatable number for the client. Yep. So in that time, I think it was about a month, we spent, we looked for a hundred other songs, everyone knowing that this was still the best one. Right. And eventually the client was like, that is still the best one. And Again, so, the trust yeah. and like just and believing so, in the craft. And to Erica's, uh, Erica, like she found a way and they negotiated to like a reasonable price too. Cause like the, the initial price was astronomical and you know, the, the final price was still quite high, still in six figures. Um, but they went for it. She's like a magic maker though. She is. She's pretty she awesome. Makes mad- Erica Metcalf. Yeah. Producer. Pretty awesome. <laughs> and it's just like, it's so great. Like hearing you talk about this piece specifically, because it's a great collaboration between director, editor, music, mm-hmm. producer, agency. Yeah. Client. Client. Client was awesome. She came in. You know, she struggled at times. The strategy, Jay came in, talked about it. Like there was a lot of like, a lot of conversations and just a lot of like, uh, I don't want to say handholding because that kind of trivializes it, but like, just like including her in the process. And, you know, it, it took her a few minutes to really like buy in. But when she did, she really did. It's really great when it's like a beautiful crafted piece of film. I feel so often editors... um I touched on this earlier, but there's like, we need the five, the 15, the vertical for Instagram, this for TikTok or whatever. But what you guys did with Love is Messy and some of the other pieces we've talked about today really is art. It's like a beautifully crafted storytelling human piece that you just kind of want to watch again and again and again. And it shows. It shows that everybody came together. And I I want to end uh, this episode with something you said to me. You said... um, there needs to be less craft service oh. in the edit room and more editing craft. Right, right. It was more just like, I think, maybe over the last few years, there was more importance put on like the client service side of... Like cheese the, and... The editing experience. Warm cookies. Yeah. <laughs> Although, which are, which are, I really like Which are all part. fun, but... Like, my guiding light is to provide and work, try to... Just like spend as much time crafting and giving you guys the agency and the director and the client the best possible edit. You know, we can have cookies after. <laughs> yes, we can. You know? Well, I- like, like that's my thing is really craft, film craft, and like spending the time. And even if it's late and you're tired and you're annoyed, like sometimes magic happens in those moments. So there's less magic when you're eating a cookie. What depends on the cookie? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Graham, I so appreciate your candor on this 50th episode of the show. I think it's my bad not to have had you on sooner because your story is truly inspirational and like a story of tenacity, like getting shit done, leaning into the pressure of this crazy business sometimes, never giving up and never settling. Honestly, you're such a cool guy. Uh-huh. I love you, Graham. You're so nice. And I'm so glad you were on the show today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for I being here. I appreciate it. So seriously, Graham, thank you so much for being with us today. Congrats on the Mick Griffin Best Editing Gold Award. 
winner. That's phenomenal. And thank you, listeners, for tuning into episode 50, I can't believe it, of the ADCC podcast that shows it's not just about creativity, it's about actually getting it created. The Advertising and Design Club of Canada is a nonprofit dedicated to encouraging excellence in Canadian advertising and design. Follow us on Instagram at the ADCC and email us anytime created at the ADCC.ca. 